Greet you in Jesus' name this morning also. It was good to be here so far. And uh, I'm continuing the thought of the churches. And it, last week I was with the New Believers class and we looked at uh, the purpose of the church. And that's what we, where my mind goes this morning. I was thinking of talking on what's new and then... Dan covered that on Wednesday night, and I appreciate it there. And then my mind was going still on this, uh, thinking about the churches, and so we're going to think about that in a couple ways, and we're going to bounce off of CLPs, the purpose of the church, and just coming through the study in Revelations as God looked at seven churches and gave his evaluation, and uh, those are things that are on my mind. If you could explain the church in your mind, or if you would think with me this morning, if you could explain the church out of the Bible without any of your experiences, or any of your uh, culture, or any anything like that. If you could look at the church and explain uh, the purpose of the church, and then reprioritize if you need to. Um... We don't look at a model church uh, and say, that's where we base our church on. We don't look at Menno Simons and say, when his brother got killed and he finally made the step out of the cushier lifestyle that he had into what we know. But we look at Christ for a pattern for the church. And coming through the seven churches, as as uh, as we did just now, there were some of those who needed tweaked a little bit. And my question this morning, seriously, to each one of you, as you sit here at your church of choice, if you feel pretty smug about it, or if you feel like we have better answers than other churches. Again, the church needs, the model church needs to be based on Christ's teaching. And in Matthew 16, he asked Peter, hey, who are people saying that I am? And then he asked Peter, and who do you say that I am? And he said, thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, hey, that's you're right on that, and I am going to build my church on that, on Jesus Christ. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. CLP taught us uh, that it, you're, regardless of race, sex, culture, nationality, or social status, and they took that from a verse in Galatians that says, For ye are all the children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ and have put on Christ, there is neither Jew or Greek, there's neither bond or free, there's neither male or female, for ye are one in Christ Jesus. And one of the things that I'd really, really like us to see this morning, and I'd like to uh, take you to the edge of your comfort zone if I could, that the church is bigger 
than Northwoods Mennonite Church. That long before Menno Simons came on the scene, God had a lot of interest. And I know I say this pretty often, but I feel it in my heart. And I feel like there would be, uh, it would be helpful for us to grasp that the church is bigger than Northwoods Mennonite Church this morning. I, I somehow feel like we need that. And I, I feel like it's going to be helpful to our Christian life and that God can use us in a better way if we catch the vision that Jesus has for all of us in the Christian faith. Understanding this, there may be some flawed perceptions that we have. You know, we say, well, the churches over here are wrong because they're too whatever. You fill in the blanks in your mind. They're too legalistic or something like that. And we make that judgment call. And as, as, uh, as God looked at the different churches and He gives us some clues at how He weighs people in the balance, but He made that judgment call. And then we say, well, over here, we know they're wrong because they're obviously wrong in biblical things. But I think there might be a chance that we may be wrong in some biblical things. Perhaps God is studying us and, and sees how, how He keeps score. And He may, he may think of something like finances, our, our mindsets, our goals, our struggles that we have. And you say, He might say, you're obviously wrong in this here. And one thing we know that how we judge others is how we get judged. We, we're given that. And so, the other thing we know is that we don't, ha- it's not our job to judge. We say, well, they're obviously wrong and we make deductions. And I'm not saying, okay, we don't follow the Bible as much as we know how. What I'm trying to say is, the homeless guy that I took up to Duluth, the one thing he knew is he, he knew he was right. And there wasn't much you were going to tell him. And as long as we say, as long as we have the perception that we are the only church and everybody in this side is wrong and everybody in this side is wrong, we can't grow. And Jesus says, that's not your job. At one place he says, you know, you're judging another man's servant. If I would go up to Todd and I'd say to the help behind uh, Delhi there, I'd say, hey, from now on, here's how I want you to do. I'm not very satisfied how you're doing that. And I'd, and I'd tell them how to do that. Todd would say, why don't you uh, come over through the side door here and we'll come out to the picnic table. And Jesus says, it's not your job to judge another man's servant. He's got that. He's got the, the, the management part of it down. And we don't have to... But what I, what I really like to do this morning is get us thinking and to get our minds right so that we can accept the advice that Jesus would talk into our lives from the Bible rather than from our mindset. And it's hard... Uh, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes says, If the Aaron be blunt and he do not wet the edge... Then he must 
put more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. What that says, if you're using a great uh, a dull axe, it takes a lot more effort. And what we'd like to do is sharpen the blade a little bit this morning. So, according to CLP and according to the Bible, and I think they had a, a, an awesome lesson there. The first list that they had, the purpose of the church, is to praise God. And uh, Marvin isn't here but uh, the gentleman that we, that we worked with on the trailer project over there, uh, I was comparing notes with him last year. He grew up in Chicago, and he remembers being in, I believe, South Chicago in a Baptist church, are his memories from the past. And I told him about a church we were at at a street meeting, and one of my uh, favorite sermons uh, I just really enjoyed it, was a black preacher. We went, I, I don't know if Gerald or somebody took us down to, we were at the mission down there, and then we went to a pre- predominantly black church. And I even forget where it was, but uh, I was comparing notes with Mark, and I said how energi- energized they were. And he grinned a little bit, and he said, yeah, we... We were more, uh, I'm not sure the word he used, emphatic or something like that there. But I just remember how that whole congregation came alive. And I'm not trying to change us into that this morning. You can relax. But we're making a point from what the purpose of the church is. The purpose of the church is to praise God. And once in a while, Dan and I all say, hmm, when Eric or Todd are preaching or something like that, and interpret it out of Pennsylvania Dutch, that means I really agree with what you're saying, and I'm being blessed by it. <laughs> and it depends where you put the emphasis on the um to what the meaning is there. But down there, uh, that their pastor had somebody read the text, and it, it, the text was, if then ye be risen in Christ. And the minister would say, what does it say? Whoa, what does it say? And then they'd read that again and they'd say, if ye then be risen in Christ. And he said, does it say that? And he got the congregation going and they were all into it and they all, they, they all, and you know, I believe if you would act like he, they did, I could act like him. <laughs> I'm not sure, but they got him supported and going and they praised the Lord as they were going along. Psalms, Ephesians says, Furthermore, because we are united in Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance and He makes everything work out according to His plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust Christ would bring praise and glory to God was one of the things that they had listed there in the CAM uh, book that we were studying. And Psalm says, Come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. The Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great King of all the earth. And the other way of doing that would be worshipping out of duty or drudgery or going through the motions. A lifeless, joyless, duty-bound worship where you simply come to church and have no desire to give yourself fully to the Lord. 
So, we embrace our identity. We're sojourners here, and we're exiles, and we're chosen and royal, and holy, and God's possession. And so we become fluent in praise and worship. And I was thinking of these things when CAM uh, laid this out, and I was just rolling this around in, in my mind. But we have a hard time being verbal with it. And even now, some of you are getting a little uneasy. And you're wondering if I'm going to make you put your hands up. Like it says in Titus. Put your hands up. I'm not. I'll relax you. The reason we have the blessings we have. Is this true or isn't it? The reason that we have a harvest and that your marriage works and that you're at peace and that you don't have to fear is because God is good. Is that right? And and you just say that. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Did God do anything for you? The Bible says, well then say it. And there are so many verses that it says, hey, tilt forward on this thing. Tell Tell people, tell people about what God did for you. Say it. Praise Him, lift your hands, lift your hands in the sanctuary, and bless the Lord. You know, in my mind, as I go back in my history, when one or two people would raise their hands in the sanctuary, when we'd be singing a meaningful song, I'd be kind of disgusted. I'd be kind of uneasy with that there. They raised, you know, I, and then, then sometimes as time went on and the Lord spoke to me and there was a song or a sermon or something that one of you brought, I almost had to sit on my hands. Or I, I almost feel like raising my hands in a, in a, in, in, in a confirmation that yes, God is good and He's here and He's talking to us. <coughs> you know, if somebody, a song leader or a pastor or somebody having devotions, has people leading their hands, it leaves them. Uh, it leaves uh, our culture with a, a really uneasy feeling, and, and and they feel caught in a hypocritical uh, sense of they they feel really uncomfortable. They they're blessed, but they don't feel like raising their hands, but they kind of feel like they have to if the song leader is calling for it. <coughs> Also, sometimes raising your hands in your mind is people do that in churches that sometimes don't teach the truth the way you understand it. But, is that the way you solve that problem? Uh, not, uh, you know, if you think, boy, he's, he's getting weird here on it. What the Bible says is dance with instruments. That's what the Bible says to worship Him. Uh, I don't know why the Lord wants us to get looser. Is it to get rid of our um, tendency for uh, false piety? I don't know. 
Why does he want us to raise our hand or why does he want us to sing or shout with instruments? And why does he want us to, to let the clutch out? He's, he's worth it. He is so great. I want you to participate. I'm not going to get you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to say, if the Bible says, and then say something, and then I want you to repeat, we do it. Okay? If the Bible says, put others first, we do it. If the Bible says, to be honest. If the Bible says, to work hard. If the Bible says to raise your hands in the sanctuary to praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you for that, Eileen. <laughs> Let me take a little pressure off. Some of you are a little uncomfortable. One of my trusty advisors, I was thinking out loud and trying to grapple with this. And he said, well, there's another way to look at this. And you're going to like this better. This is going to suit you better. So, He said, what about if you look at that praise and raising your hands and tilting forward and dancing? Uh, what about instead of praising the Lord, you would put in fasting or something that we do like that? And so... Uh, what about, the, uh, be a different way to praise the Lord, like obedience, which, uh, amen, that's a, a good thought. So, uh, and he said, what about uh, Isaiah 58? And so you know it by heart, so I'm going to read it in another translation. Tell the people, Israel, of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of God. They ask me to take action on their belief, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I responded. It is because you're fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting and you keep fighting and quarreling? This is the kind of fast. This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penitence, bowing your head like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this is will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind the people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to them that need them. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then turn your salvation will come... Then your salvation will come in the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godlessness will lead you forward. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke from the oppressed. 
Stop pointing your fingers and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble, then your light will shine. And he goes on. Another way to praise the Lord is obedience to the Lord. Another way, I think what what was being said there was, you know, sometimes we use a cop-out, say, by my life I witness, or by my life I do this or do that. But another way to praise the Lord is live a life that is pleasing to the Lord and that's what he wants us to do, to reach out to, one, to those who need help. That's, that's a way of raising your hands in the sanctuary, like it says. The second thing that can, uh, Christian Light said, uh, and I agree with, was the purpose of the church, is to bind us together. And they came up with a lot of verses on that. And we as a people are so um, so human, and we just need this kind of thing. Lime Rock Church was uh, where my dad went and where we went for a little bit. It was a, a, a Horning Church and Weaverland Conference Church. And uh, going back, this is going back uh, 30 years. Uh, this is going back like 35 years, not that long. But there was a big struggle in the church with the people. Uh, they had the nice church. Uh, most of their churches were pretty simple, but Lime Rock had a nice brick church rather than just white stucco on the outside where most of our churches were at that point there. But there was a big struggle and a big conversation. Every All the other churches had brought bathrooms into the church. And Lime Rock had a group of people who really felt uneasy with it. They felt it was a watershed issue. They felt like it was uh, a pretty big change. And change comes hard, no matter where you're at. It, it's, it's hard for the whole group. And it was pushed back and forth for 10, 15 years. And finally, they built uh, indoor bathrooms. And they built with running water. At that point, everybody in the congregation had running water and bathrooms in their house. But it was a point of contention. It was a real struggle. In Refton, there was a, an issue that we had uh, coming up a little closer. And that was where the phone was going to go in the basement. And again, there was... Uh, dad and his sons felt really strong one way and the rest uh, felt a little bit more the other way and I didn't, it didn't matter to me one way or the other but in a meeting a guy slammed the door and stumped out and then he opened the door again and had a final say and then he slammed the door and, and left. And every one of us have these things. Where we work through. In this congregation, there's people that resent these and there's people that are grateful that they're here. There's both present this morning. To some of you, it's scary and to some of you, it's change. 
But the purpose of the church is to bring us together. Now, if we would do like a lot of Mennonites do, is we'd split. We'd call it principles, and we wouldn't share pulpits with the other anymore. We would denounce them as Christian, uh, as not Christian. I, I got a question for you this morning. How does God look at that? And it's not a matter of whether you were for change in the decorations or whether you were. How did you handle that? How did you process that? We have to learn how to fight. That's a quote from Michelle Obama. I don't often quote Michelle Obama, but um, they were having a little bit of marriage difficulties. I'm reading a book by her, and I don't often read people that I disagree with, but once or twice a year I like to read a book that I, like on global warming or something, that I know that I'll come out on just to see what makes them tick. But she said in their marriage they had to learn how to fight, and there's some truth to this. They had to learn how to resolve things. So the purpose of the church is to bring us all together and bind us with love. That's the purpose of the church. But in the Mennonite churches, in every church, I erase that, in, in churches where there's people, if there's people present, that's a struggle. That's a challenge. And we often are so quick to de-Christianize anybody who disagrees with us. We're so quick to undermine, minimize them, sideline them. And, and tramp on them. But the design for the church is to build bridges. But there's so often, and, and uh, Ben was talking about so, some fears, and there's so often, I have a fear in my heart, if this changes, it will lead to this and this and this. And, and I hang on to what my experiences were or what my culture was or what my struggles were. And one of the things that I think helps, going back to an earlier thought, is if we realize how God views, how big a view God has, that there's going to be people from every race and type of people and color of people and that kind of thing. The danger of criticism is that we're doing something that isn't, that isn't for us to do. Except other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's alright to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted all. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Their own master will judge them, whether they stand and fall. 
And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive the approval. Strength through diversity, not strength through cookie-cutter beliefs. I'm sad when I look at what happened in Lancaster County when there's a church and over a, a very small thing. You wouldn't notice it unless you have a trained eye. They will start another conference. And that conference will start another conference. And they will not, for 50 years, share a pulpit. They will not recognize, and they say, we're not judging them. But we will not fellowship with them. We will not talk to them. We will split families over this. We'll split families over covering strings or non-covering strings. We'll split families. The purpose of the church is to pull together. And what I'm saying about sharpening our axe, if we have all the answers, then we might as well go home. If we're right in everything we do, then that's, we, we got that solved. But if we can learn, and if we can use as a pattern the Bible, and see where we're wrong, we have something to learn, and, and we don't have to be homeless. We can learn. Strength through diversity. It's more of a marvel that we can sit and bless each other and love each other with different opinions than if we throw everybody out that doesn't think exactly like me. Is that right? And he blessed the church with, with, uh, he, he calls it a body. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. <clears throat> and, I, and I like to underline that in your minds. Uh, I think one of the, the clues here, let me finish that. We may grow up into Him in all things which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And a different translation in the last sentence, it helps other parts to grow, that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The purpose of the, the church is, is to bind us together in love. The test of a church is love. When he looked at one of the churches, the church is Ephesus. And he said, you know, you're doing good. I like how you decipher some things. I like how you uh, look at what's wrong and what's right. And I like this about you. But you know what? If you guys don't change, I'm going to lose you. I'm going to take your candlestick out is, is the terminology used. And the thing that they were missing 
is that first love that they lost for each other and for God. God can't live and can't function in a church that doesn't have love. He, he can't operate. He can't make his saints grow. He can't grind people down. He can't build people up. He can't do what he does in our hearts in a church without love. And he says, you know what? I'm, I like some things about your church, but I'm not going to be here unless you get that love back. <clears throat> and CLP in our lesson of new believers said the third reason, and they listed three reasons for the church, and I think there's more than that, but the third reason for the church is to evangelize. And here's one that I have more questions and answers on. Uh, how are we doing so far in the 50 years that uh, we were up here? Uh, how is it going so far? Is, is, is there anything we can learn? Is there anything we can tweak? Is there any way we can sharpen our axe? Uh, you know, you go to business uh, meetings and you say, okay, let's go to this farm days and learn what I can do better. If I use this fertilizer, I use these plants. Or you go to to uh, logging and they show you how to do this or do that. Or In the church, how can we do this better? Our marching orders are in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then it keeps going there. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Even during this time, he's going to be with our efforts in that evangelism. But he, it's important to him. He'd like to see us do that. And um, it's one of the reasons the church exists. And Acts, in the first chapter of Acts, it says, And you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria. Samaria and unto the ends of the earth. How is this accomplished? It's one of the important things of the church. It's one of the important commissions of the church. Uh, it's one of the purposes of the church. But I have a lot of questions in my heart about my heart, whether, uh, whether I'm where I need to be or how I could do this better or what, what it is that it all means here. And if we're faithful in this, if, if this is what, uh, if what we're doing is supposed to, and I, I just have a few scattered thoughts here. There's times when they went specific and they sent people out like, uh, uh, Barnabas and Saul, and I included this verse here, their commission, because there's sometimes, uh, when I think it's important to lay hands on or pray, have a special prayer when people go out. But I also included this because I am again trying to expand our understanding of how Christ Jesus looks at the church. And in a different translation, it uh, says, Among the prophets of the teachers of the church of Antioch and Syria were Barnabas, and Simon called the black man, and Lucius from Serene, and Manan, a childhood companion of King Herod at Antipas, and Saul. 
And I included that because again it was interesting for me to see that it wasn't just one race or one people or one Freundschaft or one group. It was a, it was a, a mixed group of people sitting here and, uh, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for a special work to which I have called them for. So after fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. One of the purpose of the church is evangelism. And I am so blessed by the young people here and how they're grabbing a hold of that in a, in a good way. Evangelism is spreading the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Questions. Who are we reaching? How could we do it better? And should it be more of a priority than I'm making it in my life? Uh, I looked up some excuses for uh, why I don't evangelize. I don't need, I, but I like the confidence. Number one is I like the confidence and I don't do a good job sharing. Um, and that's pretty easy for all of us to to feel like somebody else would be better at it or somebody that's outgoing. If I had had the personality that Jesse does, I would evangelize. I would do a good job at it. Or if I had the personality like some of you said, um such is the confidence that we have through Christ Jesus toward God. Not that we are sufficient in our, of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, uh, in Corinthians. Um, second excuse that's often heard is, but I don't want to be rejected. And a brother was sharing that in uh, this morning about rejection. Yeah, we don't want rejection. And that they're so real to us there. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Excuse number three is, I can't be focused on sharing my faith when I have so many trials or struggles are growing in my own life yet. Isn't that a real one? I, I can't be as effective because I got so much to work at on myself. Answer, but we have these treasures in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. You're not, you're not selling how good our faith or, uh, how you are. It, 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 we're, we're showing God. We're telling the story of God. Excuse number four, but I don't want to be seen as a radical. And the answer there that they have is, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacles in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found in our ministry. In closing, the purpose of the church. There's more... There's more that the church does than the three things that we uh, just listed there.
But those are the main functions that CLP taught for us to come in. It's the bride of Christ shared <coughs> with us so that we know how to have church today. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is a great new creation. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life he died. Let's kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, I just pray that you would give each of us here a vision for 2019. That we would have a vision and a clarity. Show each person here where their part in the body is. Where to grab a hold and what their function is. Build your church and use each of us as building material. Help us to build on that one foundation. And we just pray that you would sharpen our axe. Give us clarity and give us power and bind us together in love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.